In the beginning, Texas Longhorns were forged in the furnace of the raw American West. Now it is our responsibility, our duty, dare I say our honor, to preserve what the Texas Longhorns told us they were through 400 years of natural selection. My name is Andrew Shigori, and this is the Big Iron Podcast. We're here to entertain and educate any who are inclined to or otherwise interested in the livestock raising, garden growing, do it yourself, keep hitting it till it quits moving type of life. Modern problems require modern solutions, but there is a wealth of knowledge to draw from those that came before us. Presented by PNC Cattle Pens, top of the line equipment specifically for Texas Longhorns and more. From hay rings and panels to squeeze chutes and complete working systems, PNC Cattle Pens has what you need. To keep you and your herd running safe and efficiently, check them out at pccattlepens.com. That's P-C-C-A-T-T-L-E-P-E-N-S.com. Now let's throw this skunk on the table and get down to business. Welcome to day two of the Big Iron Podcast Marathon, where I'll release an episode every day for 10 days straight to kick off 2024. Today we're talking about the history of the Texas Longhorn. Boy, am I excited about this one. <laughs> There's fire coming off my fingertips while I was writing it. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's get into it. But before we jump into the history of Texas Longhorns, I want to briefly just talk about history of all cattle in the Americas. So did you know that there are no species of cattle native to the Americas, North or South? Domestic cattle were, in fact, introduced to this continent by Europeans. But what about American bison, Andrew? What about them? You ready to get sciency? Bovines are a family in the animal kingdom, and within that family, there are ten genuses, including, but not limited to, genus Bubalis, which includes water buffalo, genus Cinsaris, which includes African buffalo and Cape buffalo, genus Bison, which includes, you guessed it, the American bison, European bison, and ancient bison, uh, bison antiquus. Then there's the genus Boss, which includes yaks, domestic cattle, and some other species that I can't pronounce. <laughs> so, cattle and bison are both in the bovine family, but they're under completely separate genuses. So let's go back for a second to the boss genus. That's what we're going to be talking about today. That's where Texas Longhorns fall, but we'll get there. So under the boss genus, there are several species. For example, boss mutus is the wild yak, and boss taurus is the domestic cattle. You with me on this? Within the species of Bos taurus, you have subspecies such as taurine, taurine cattle, taurine, sorry, taurine cattle. 
Boss Taurus, which is European breeds of cattle. Then you have Zebu cattle, Boss Indicus, which is South Asian, North African cattle. Then you have Sanga cattle, Boss Africanus, which is Sub-Saharan African cattle. So modern cattle are derived from these subspecies. For example, Watusi cattle are derived from the Boss Africanus subspecies in Sub-Saharan Africa. American Brahmin cattle are derived from Boss Indicus subspecies in Asia and North Africa. With some Boss Taurus influence in modern cattle in the Americas. Texas Longhorn cattle are mostly derived from Boss Taurus or the European breeds of cattle. With small influence of Boss Indicus the Asian and Northern African, uh, or, or originated cattle. So that's kind of my knowledge, <laughs> my, uh, research on the ancient genetics of cattle. There is obviously a ton more to it, um, but that's a quick rundown. And I suggest that you look into it further because it's pretty interesting. Um, I know I'm going to, so now let's go ahead and get into the Texas Longhorn history here in America. Now let's get into the Texas Longhorn history in America. And to do that, we need to go back to the Spanish conquistadors of the 1400s. So the first cattle in the Americas were brought to the Caribbean island of Hispaniola from the Canary Islands by Christopher Columbus on his second voyage across the Atlantic Ocean in 1493. And Spanish colonists continued to import cattle until around 1512. So how did cattle get to the Canary Islands to begin with? Well, those were descendants of Spanish and Portuguese cattle brought over around 20 years earlier by Spanish explorers. So those would be Boss Taurus, Boss Indicus influenced cattle brought in from Spain and Portugal area um, prior to Columbus and then brought by Columbus from the Canary Islands up to the Caribbean Islands. These Spanish cattle were then introduced into Mexico in 1521 and subsequently migrated north to what is now Texas and the southern U.S. within a few decades. So the descendants of those cattle became what we now know as Corrientes of Mexico and the majestic Texas Longhorns. But to become Longhorns, a few more things had to happen first. Large groups of them escaped the watchful eye of man and began to wander the countryside as wild cattle. In doing so, they escaped man's selection process and survived on natural selection based on their genetics and the environment that they found themselves in, expounding upon the traits of their ancestors and developing new traits as well. Things such as disease resistance, heat tolerance, calving ease, forage efficiency, and as they multiplied, and multiplied they did over the next 300 years, each generation became more adapted to their new home, 
It's also worth noting that during this time, British colonists were bringing their more selectively bred European breeds, Bos Taurus, across the Atlantic, attempting to establish, establish a population of cattle back east in Virginia and colony uh, areas, which they were eventually able to do in Virginia sometime in the 1600s. By the late 1700s, Longhorn ancestors were plentiful across Mexico and what is now the southwestern United States. By the early 1800s, they were the beef cattle in America, perfectly adapted to withstand the harsh conditions and long cattle drives. Cattlemen from around the country began branding cattle and setting up ranches to make their fortune. Texas Longhorns were rounded up in the southwest and driven to Kansas railheads to be shipped back east for beef, feeding soldiers all across the country during the Civil War. One of the most interesting tales of a cattle drive happened in 1866, just after the Civil War. I can't remember where I first read about this story. Um, I think it was it was in a book I was reading about Red Cloud and the Native Americans at the time, but I, I cannot remember the name of the book. But anyhow, so just after the Civil War, a man named Nelson Story purchased about 3,000 head of Texas Longhorns on the cheap from a temporarily collapsing post-war Texas cattle market. His plan was to drive them north to Montana where they would fetch a premium from the half-starved gold mining towns. The story of story, Nelson's story, gets even more interesting in December of 1866. When the United States Army, under pressure from natives under the Ogallala Lakota leader known as Red Cloud, attempted to shut down the Bozeman Trail, the very trail that story was bringing his cattle drive up, just days before things came to a head in what came to be known as the Fetterman Fight or the Fetterman Massacre or known to the natives as the Battle of a Hundred in the Hands on December 21st, 1866, just outside of Fort Laramie in the territory of Wyoming, Nelson's story, his cowboys, and around 3,000 Texas Longhorns evaded the U.S. Army and native parties alike they lost several men in the process, but eventually they made it to Livingston, Montana, where he sold his cattle for 10 times what he had paid for them in Texas. So his plan worked out. <laughs> An interesting story and a testament to the Texas Longhorn hardiness. If you get a chance, read up on that, that battle. It's American history. Read up on that cattle drive. It is very interesting if you're a history buff like myself. Like many great tales, the Texas Longhorn story in the United States nearly ended in tragedy. At the turn of the 20th century, the range of the Texas Longhorn had been broken up by fences and farms. The cattle themselves had been rounded up and sold off to those that were, and those that remained were no longer viewed as valuable as they once were. 
Ranches replaced the need for cattle drives, and fatty beef was all the rage. Beef tallow for candles and balms were needed, and longhorn beef was just too lean. By the 1920s, the Texas longhorn breed, icon of the American West, was in trouble. At least six ranching families saw the value of these cattle and bred them to ensure that they would not disappear forever. These families are Butler, Wright, Yates, Phillips, Marks, and Peeler. And in 1927, the Wichita Mountain Refuge Herd was established in Cache, Oklahoma, by the United States government. All modern Texas Longhorns are descendants of these seven herds, what we now refer to with great pride as the original seven families. Here's a a direct quote from the official TLBAA website. In 1927, the federal government stepped in to help preserve the Texas Longhorn and a great part of our American heritage. Congress assigned Forest Service Rangers Will C. Barnes and John H. Hatton to the task, and these two men put the first herd together for Wichita Mountains Wildlife Refuge in Oklahoma. Gradually, more breeders started raising private stock, recognizing the value of Texas Longhorns. The new... The need grew for breed standards and a direct line of communication between the Longhorn breeders. From there, the TLBAA was formed. And TLBAA stands for Texas Longhorn Breeders Association of America. That is the association that we use for setting breed standards for the Texas Longhorns and for registering our cattle. In the beginning, Texas Longhorns were forged in the furnace of the raw American West. Now it is our responsibility, our duty, dare I say our honor, to preserve what the Texas Longhorns told us they were through 400 years of natural selection. They deserve a place in our world. The Texas Longhorn story is the American story. To quote the current chairman of the TLBAA, Johnny Hicks, Texas Longhorns are the American dream. Almost makes me emotional. (laughs) Thanks everyone for sticking around on this one. I thoroughly enjoyed putting it together and recording it. I don't know if I can top this one. I may have peaked too soon. (laughs) But tomorrow is day three of the Big Iron Podcast Marathon and the topic is five ways to support your local farmers and ranchers. Thanks for listening and I'll talk at you then. Hidden Springs Ranch Beef is 100% registered Texas Longhorn Beef. Try out our new Snack Sticks, lean Longhorn Beef with no nitrates added. Available in hot, mild, sweet, and sweet heat. The hot is my personal favorite. We're happy to say that these Snack Sticks are shelf stable and we can ship them directly to you. Or if you're in North Carolina, check out our freezer beef options for local pickup halves holes bundle boxes and bulk ground go check it out at hslonghorns.com under the beef tab and use code big iron for a little discount on me hslonghorns.com and hit that beef tab <laughs>